the wildest thing I've ever seen happen in an insurance agency was a 23-year-old getting hired right out of college within four months, getting promoted to sales manager, within a couple of years, getting promoted to director of operations, COO, and within five years of being there, getting promoted of CEO of the largest agency of this particular captive company in the country. And then after a year, he left and opened his own agency instead of staying there and continuing to run it. And now he's running that agency and he's he's also running a consulting firm that helps other agencies sell better. Blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. That's awesome. So my name is Tony Cañas and I am with Insurance Nerds, Profiles in Risk podcast and Top Hat Recruiting. And uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, kind of thing, Buenos Aires, Argentina, I'm a digital nomad, theoretically Atlanta-based, and an insurance dude. Insurance dudes are on a mission to escape being handcuffed by our agencies. How? By uncovering the secrets to creating a predictable, consistent, and profitable agency sales machine. I am Craig Kretzinger. I am Jason Feldman. We are agents. We are insurance Boom! <laughs> wow. That, that was a lot. lot. Look at uh, that. Jake, yes. You wear many hats. I do. Oh, oh no, I you did. did. This was Jason. <laughs> should, should, should I introduce myself, basically? Yes. Okay. So, so I'll make it as short as I can. I'm a giant insurance nerd, grew up in the carrier space, worked at four different carriers over the first 10 years of my career, did claims, did underwriting, did sales management, did a leadership development program, ended up being a middle market underwriter, got my CPCU and nine other designations. And I fell in love with the topic of how do we engage and retain the younger generation, the millennials and now the Gen Sears in the insurance space. So when I left that big carrier that I was working at, I had been running the, their young professional employee group for a couple of years. I had expanded it to, to four new offices and, and uh, I really missed that work. So, so I started Insurance Nerds, originally a blog about insurance careers and technology, very carrier heavy. I started speaking at conferences about how to engage and retain millennials within insurance. One day, my, my girlfriend came home. Uh, she worked at a very, very large broker, at a global broker, first as, as an account executive, then as, as a corporate VP. Uh, well, grew into the, into the cor- corporate side to the VP level. One day, she came home from manager meetings and said, they don't get it. You have to write the book. So me and my co-author, we wrote the book. It's called it's called Insuring Tomorrow. Normally, I would grab it and show it, but I'm on the road. So I don't have a copy on me. So basically, I've made my name on the topic of how to engage and retain millennials and Gen Sears in, in insurance. And when my book came out, I was working at a very large carrier as a middle market underwriter. And that very large carrier got very uncomfortable with having me on payroll. It didn't get to the point where they showed me the door, but I ended up leaving and going to the largest recruiting firm in insurance. I worked with them for four and a half years. And then a year ago, July of last year, I opened my own little shop, which is called Top Hat Recruiting. So the, the funny thing is, is the Top Hat precluded the, the, the company. <laughs> uh, the Top Hat came first. So yeah, that, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Deeply passionate about this industry. And one of the things I do is, is I run chatwithtony.com, which is free career advice for any insurance professional. And I've been running that since a lot longer than before I became a recruiter. And uh, it, it's What's fantastic. What's that called? Uh, chatwithtony.com. And literally, it's, it's a quick link to my Calendly. And anybody can get on my calendar. And I do about 400 of those a year. They're free. And I, I help lots of insurance professionals find the next adventure, whether it's carrier side, broker side, insure tech side, you name it. Wow. Okay. That's why... You're on here is because you are a very, very interesting dude. Thank you. And the topic 
that we really wanted to dive into you is the topic of like, how do we retain the younger generation? And I think that um, it's something like my generation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Back when they, with the big bicycles, with the giant front Uh tire and tiny little back. I I had the first cell phone that you could. So I'm going to take a wild guess that you're a Gen Xer and, and you're not wrong. Because your generation is in a really cool position. I'm an older millennial, an elder millennial. I'm 40 now, which is really weird because I've been speaking about about kids in insurance basically for so long that I'm now 40. (laughs) And and the industry is still only halfway getting it, right? But I talk to a lot of Gen Xers and uh, chat with Tony and I tell them, this is your time because the boomers are finally retiring. Like for real, this is it. It's no longer a drill. A lot of them are just dying. Either retired, the older boomers have either retired or died. Yeah. In the case of, of insurance agents, usually at the desk because they never retire, basically. Uh, but it's too profitable. So the Gen Xers are finally taking over. And, and you guys are a small generation, 20 million people less than the boomers. So basically... Well, we're exclusive. Yes, it's an exclusive club. And uh-huh. while you will never have the, the numbers, you are inheriting the leadership roles, both carrier and broker side. Now, you're going to have to work with the millennials, which are a very large generation, uh, but, <laughs> yes, but this is your time to shine. Be picky about your next job. Be picky about which agency you're going to go work for next or which agency you're going to buy next uh, be, be, because you have the experience that my generation doesn't have, especially because a lot of my generation grew up in the freaking call center, whether carrier yeah. side or broker side. We just don't have the experience. Well, you guys started in the industry while the training programs were still fantastic and you learned from, from, from the boomers. And now that they're retiring, you've got 15, 20 years of experience. This is your industry to run now. Don't let us down. So do you realize that Craig is a boomer? Are you really? <laughs> what a, no, <laughs> my parents are. Okay. Yeah. There, there's, there's no way. I was going to say you have to be like yeah. incredibly young looking for, for, I think the youngest boomer is now what, like 53, 54, something like that. Yeah, I'd be younger than that. Barely. Barely. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> Big five zero. So I'm curious why there's this sort of perception that the millennials could be kind of entitled and maybe whiny. <laughs> we, we are. Soft, maybe. But yes. a, a, this isn't my opinion. This is just an mm-hmm. opinion I've heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, it, it's, it's, I, I spent a lot of time researching this issue. Because yeah. it's definitely that perception. And and the, the, basically, uh, the, there is some really good research that goes back literally hundreds of years. And, and again, I, I, I'm not a demographer. Uh, I'm, I'm not a researcher. I just bring the ideas into Are you into a stenographer? <laughs> uh, so so ba- basically, there's some really cool research that goes back hundreds of years, which has found that generations that grew up during times of abundance grow up slower, get married later, leave home later. Right, settled oh. down later. And the millennials, we grew up in the mid-80s and the 90s, a time of historic abundance in the States. And we were unprecedented raised... Unprecedented tech, right? Unprecedented technology. Unprecedented technology and unprecedented abundance, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the economy, mm-hmm. stupid, right? So the, 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 uh, our parents are boomers. And, and, and boomers had a, a really uh, unique parenting philosophy which was, I want you to have it better than I did, right? Right. And they had the money also. So basically, they spoiled us. And Mm. and then 
we we came out into the working world expecting oh and and, and also our boomer parents told us that we were special snowflakes right and I, <laughs> yes I, I, they, I, they I, hovered I, those helicopters i have to be parents. very careful with that phrasing i don't want to go for the political definition of snowflake but basically we're we're, we're you're you're a special star and and you're just going <laughs> to rock it in the in, in the world and you're going to do amazing and 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 we go and become the most educated generation ever also the most indebted education uh, generation for that education also the boomers fault who stopped investing in education but anyway we graduate <laughs> and it turns out life's not as easy as our, as our parents made it look right mm, so we're and, just so good at it right, right? <laughs> uh, so, so basically yes we we are a little spoiled and and we are growing up slower and by the way it's really hilarious that that i continue getting paid speaking gigs to talk about millennials and insurance uh and now gen sears we're freaking 40 years old right like, i'm yeah. 40 and a half the oldest millennials about 42 depending on which demographer you you know the, the years are a little bit fuzzy but but basically interestingly we have grown up but we've grown up in very different ways from our parents. We, we ended up having less kids. We ended up getting married later. We, we, we ended up uh, settling down later. We just look at life differently. Also, we are a, a mission-driven generation because our mm. parents were workaholics, or dads especially were workaholics. And they told us, don't do what I did. Follow your dreams, which is horrible career advice, by the way. Right? <laughs> so, so That is the worst. We we were really. Raised. I don't know. I would argue the opposite. I think that that's great advice because so, if you don't do what you love, yes, 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 yes. The problem is, at fifteen, you have no idea what you will what oh, yeah. you will love, right? Boom. At seventeen, at eighteen, you have no idea. When I graduated college at at, at twenty four, I, I had no idea what I was going to love. I, I grew up thinking I was going to work in computer science. It well, it turns out if you can't do math, you'll never finish college. In computer science, <laughs> right. right? Right, so, so, true. And, and that's a lesson that I learned the hard way, little by little. But but anyway, I graduated with, with, with a business degree, ended up working as a, as, a, as a transportation fleet manager, got down since in 09. I still hadn't found what I loved. And then I fall yeah. into insurance. Farm Bureau of Iowa does a fantastic job in, in training me. And I fall in love with insurance. And it's now going on, I don't know, 13 or 14 years since then. I could not have possibly known that, right? So I, I've had people ask me, Tony, if, if you could go back to 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 you know eighteen year old Tony, and, and share wisdom, what would you share? And what I want to say is study risk management and insurance. But here's the funny thing: if I did that and Tony listened to me, which he wouldn't, but if he listened to me, <laughs> he would have ended up going to a different university because Iowa State University, where I got both my my bachelor's and my MBA, doesn't have an insurance program. So that would have changed my entire life right there. And number two, he would have, this alternate Tony would have graduated from Temple or from St. Joe's or from Florida State uh, or Eastern Kentucky University or one of the other major RMI programs. Or University of Arizona. Perfect. There's not that many of them, right? And <laughs> would have started his, or her, his career either in an underwriting training program or in a broker training program, would have skipped everything that I lived in the call center, everything that I lived in entry-level claims, and would have never seen that horrible stuff that happens in those call centers. Right. Right. And thus, insurance nurse would have never been born. Right. I would be a right. boring corporate executive today <laughs> uh, instead of this beautiful life that I lead. So, so anyway, I don't even know how we got to this topic, but but but, but go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say I like I the reason why I don't like the do what you love concept is because it's it's more of like find what you love and if you look at it it's like at the ultimate funnel okay. right it's just like when you're 
if you want sales, you need a lot of leads to find the, the sales, the people that actually want your product. And it's the same thing. It's like, you, you got to get a lot of experience to find out what you do and don't like and to acquire a bunch of skills. Because like, if I would have known this, like when I was younger, I would have done more, more jobs that I liked realizing, hey, I'm acquiring skills. They'll add up right? They, they compound over time, they add up. And, and the things I learned in Starbucks when I was like, I'm using today in, in business. And it's like, it wasn't just making coffee. You know what I mean? It was yep. the, the advice should, should be try a lot of things early on. Yeah. Focus on the things that match your strengths, mm. because if you do something you're good at, you'll enjoy it and you'll get good at it. And then once you choose something, dig in, like jump in with both feet and become yeah. a giant nerd on it. And 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 then you won't work at the, like I'm a great example. I, I haven't worked a day in the last like five years because I right. because my last two roles have been perfect fits for me. Mm. But yeah. I was don't slow down. by the time I, I, I knew enough to find those jobs. Right. Yeah. At, at twenty yeah. or twenty-five, I had no chance of getting it right. So right. Tony, you talk to a lot of uh, I want to switch gears here. Mm-hmm. You talk to a lot of candidates for the insurance world. And as you would know, probably the biggest gripe that every agent has is they're the people that they're are, are their employees, right? And then finding the new ones. And they don't a lot of agents and myself included in the past didn't realize that it's another funnel, right? It's just like the sales funnel. You have to always be recruiting. If you don't, mm-hmm. when when some not if, when somebody leaves or when they all leave at the same time or something like that happens, if you're not ready you're down, right? Like you, you just lost bonus. You just lost everything for the year. The year's over. And so how do we better find the millennials that we say are a little bit tougher to work with? This, how do we find, how do we find and attract those guys and gals that are actually going to love what they're doing in the same way that you do? So that they don't, so they say, Oh, I don't ever work. Cause what, what we see and hear a lot with uh, a lot of the agents that we interact with is is oh yeah I you know we spent all this time hiring and then they just didn't come back from lunch didn't show up right <laughs> or, or they don't want to freaking they don't want to come in on time or they're always calling it sick and and it's it's the same thing over and over and you hear it too right perfect so on the recruiting side because of the nature of being a third party recruiter we basically we're expensive so we basically only work with experienced people otherwise they yeah. wouldn't be bringing us in however having said that on the chat with Tony side I chat with many 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 very yeah. young, aspiring insurance professional. Let's put it that way. Uh, sometimes people that just happen to hear that insurance was a good career and give me a call before actually getting a job. Okay. So basically, number one piece of advice I, I have is make sure that you're putting people in the right seat of the bus, right? Oh, yeah. If you're hiring somebody who is very detail-oriented and kind of quiet, right? A high C in, in the disc profile and, 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 mm. and you put them... In, in, a, in a sales role, they're not going to do well. On the other right. hand, when you hire a Tony and, and put them in a, in, in a service role that requires attention to detail, I'm not going to do well. Like, yes, I should have some self-knowledge. And, and if the person is following my advice, they will have done strengths finders. They will have done the disk profile. They will have done some introspection uh, and then applied only for roles that matched th- their aptitudes and then focused on growing in those roles. But that's not how recruiting works in the in the real world, right? Basically, 
whether you're your you're your recruiter or you have one person in the agency that, that does recruiting as part of, of, of her job, likely, like the head of HR or something, if you do have an HR person, right? Anyway, so some somebody has a side a side role of recruiting, they are likely not well trained enough to even this happens even at the big carriers. Those recruiters are not well trained enough to to find people and put them in the right seat. No, they're trained to to quickly fill the roles in front of them. They're not worried about whether that person is successful in the long term, right? Because what they're measured on is is, is just filling roles quickly. Okay, so basically focus on on on, on making sure you have the people in, in the right seats. No, number two, you have to train them. We have a horrible training program in, in, in a horrible training training problem in our industry, and this is true both carrier and broker side. You have to train. You have to give them the tools. No, number three, you have to realize that that it's 2023, not not 1955. Uh, I love the license plate, by the way. You have to realize that that if you're putting them in front of a green screen, I think this happens less in the agency side, but it still happens in, in the in the carrier side. They've never seen a green screen before. They, they, they've immediately started searching for the next job. And also, you have to realize that millennials are mission-driven. We have a great mission in insurance. We help people get back on their feet. But if you're not helping them see that, if all you're making them think is that their job is to sell, or if you're making them think that their, their job is to handle angry customer calls when they want to make a change or they had a bad claim or or whatever, it's going to take them years to realize how their job, their little job feeds into something important. You have to help them understand that from the, from the beginning. And also you have to give them a career path. With brokers, not a big problem. Producers, uh, like great, if you can sell a great career path, but your service people, historically, those roles have been staffed, the girls historically ha- have been staffed by high school educated women who stay with you forever. And I've seen this in agencies mm. all over the country, okay? Especially in PNC. I don't know about, about, about life and, and health, but in PNC, it's endemic, okay? The girls will retire and you're not going to be able to replace them because the demographic of high school educated women is disappearing. I graduated college in, in, in 2016, excuse me, in 2006. And from there to today, something like 55 or 60% of, of college degrees ha- have, have gone to women. So there's just not a lot of high school educated women anymore. They have significantly out-educated themselves compared to men. And if you look at, at, at my generation of women and younger, they're just as smart. They've always been. They're just as ambitious. And they're, they're, they're better educated than, than, than the guys are. So many of them don't want to become a producer. What other career path is there with, within a normal agency? We have to mm. give them a real career path, right? Otherwise, you're going to have a very – and by the way, once they have some experience, they can work remotely for an agency anywhere in the country. And you will lose them, guaranteed, right? So we have to, f- to figure out great career paths for people, whether they're producers or not. I think that those are the biggest things we, we, we get wrong. Woo, that's a lot. I love that. That is I, a lot. I, I spend so much time thinking about this, basically. It's so true. The vision part of this, so like the mission-based part of this is something that I think I'm in the middle, kind of, right? I'm 43. So I understand, like for me, it was important. Like it took me a long time to get into insurance. Prior to that, I was bartending up until my mid thirties. So I, I was looking for the, like, wh- what am I good at? Like, what am I, you know, what's the perfect job? Like, that's why I, that kind of resonated with me. It was because it was like, you can kind of find anything you like. And it, businesses only have so many parts to the business. It just has a different wrapper on it for different things. Right. So like, for me, like a mission, a vision is more important to me than let's say like maybe, well, my mom is very, 
mission based, but like, let's say like her generation or just a little bit older generation than me, you see it in a lot of other, I see this in a lot of other insurance agencies where they don't think about that. There is no mission, no vision. Your average agent, especially agency principal is a boomer. Okay. And I I mean, Mm. by age, not not the whole, uh, (laughs) by age, they're boomer. Boomers, including my dad, were raised to be workhorses. They were raised like you work to provide for your family. You're the, you're the main income provider yes. in your family. You work until you drop dead and, and you did your job correctly, okay? And they just don't even understand. Like my dad has a, has a hard time. My, my dad has seen my presentation on millennials and he's like, yeah, good for you. I'm glad that people pay you to do that, but- He's like, I can't believe people yeah, pay you to exactly. do that. Exactly, exactly. exactly. Like <laughs> right. he's, he's, he's supportive, yeah. but, but, but he's like, right. I just I get it. it. If I'm yeah. paying you, do your job, right? Well, that's, 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 that's what my parents said. Like, what are you doing over there? <laughs> like, well, we exactly. have podcast, like, like, you know, a podcast. What's that? The, so basically, like, so so the boomer leadership, both carrier and, and broker side, it's even worse agency side because they tend to stay forever, has a very hard time understanding the idea. If I'm already paying you, why do I also have to motivate you? But it's the reality. You're right. Otherwise, right. You're and, there, and the millennials is, is mission. The boomers are a lot of tough love and scarcity, right? Because look at how they were they were raised by the the I don't know what that generation is called, but the ones that were in the depression, right? Well, mostly uh, mostly raised by the silent generation. Yeah, the ones in the depression. Like I mean, literally, if I don't go do this like dig that hole, then we're not going to eat, right? Right. So that's it's interesting, yeah. right? So there was this it, it's like two di- dualities. Like you in that you said the boomers then said, "Screw that. That was terrible. I want to make it great for my kids." And then we show up now and, you know, kind of I don't I don't even know what my kids generation's called. You know, uh, likely 20. like like Gen Z. So so basically the kids coming out of college today and for the last maybe four four or five years are Gen Zers. Um, Gen Zers when I first started talking about generations, most demographers thought that that millennials ended at birth date, uh, birth year two thousand, and now they've actually moved the line, and now they say that the last millennial was born in ninety five. Why ninety five? Because if you were born after ninety five, you don't remember the world before nine eleven. The entire the entire oh. of your life has been post nine eleven, and wow. as you and me, as, as we remember, Take the world shoes. is radically different yeah. from yeah. pre nine yeah. eleven, right? So, so those kids were born, uh, they don't remember the world before 9-11. They also, they weren't raised by boomers. They were raised by Xers. And Xers are not boomers. X- Xers are skeptical. And so, so basically... But no, we're not. So <laughs> my, generation, my boomer parents or my generation's boomer parents, uh, right? Like we, we would get a, a, an eighth place ribbon on yeah. an eight lane pool, right? When I came in 15 minutes, I, I halfway drowned. Came in like the, Congratulations! The, 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 you came in eighth! Trophy, right? So my, my little brother who's, who's 20 and, and, and my sister who's 24, their generation's experience, especially my little brother, was very different. They were raised, well, mine weren't, but, but like the average Gen Seer was raised by Gen Xer. So my old boss, Brad Wadley, uh, great story. Gen Xer, kids eight years old. The kid participates in some sort of sporting event, comes in, I don't know, third or fourth out of 10. So he didn't do that bad. And he get he got a ribbon, right? They got home. Brad grabbed the ribbon and 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 literally said <laughs> that if you don't win, win, this means nothing, and shredded the ribbon in, in front of yeah. him. Right? So so <laughs> Gen Sears are a lot better in many ways because they were raised differently. 
If you're not well, first, you're last, baby. Exactly. So they're they're much more competitive. Millennials, <laughs> uh, when we went to school, uh, it was all about group project and all about all, all about self esteem, <laughs> right? We 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 love group work. It's hard for us to 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 not try to have a team to do things. Gen Sears are much more individualistic, like Gen like like Gen Xers. However, Gen Sears won't put up with crappy technology. They, right. they will like to that. have a side gig. Uh, and many insurance companies are, are uncomfortable with with like my Etsy store or whatever my side gig happens to be because I want you fully dedicated to my thing, right? Uh, and uh, then it gets even more complicated because now we also have a subgeneration of Gen Sears who ended high school and did a good part of college remotely because of COVID, <laughs> and they don't have the uh, in person people skills. Yes. That the rest I, of us have, and, and I have think part of that, I think part of that, like lack of social skills, comes from the inv- the invention of text because it went from like calling to mm-hmm. texting, right? And so there's no like salutation, like "Hey, how you doing?" It's just straight, "Where's my shirt?" Right? What, what, one of the, of the number one questions that that I, that I get from from <laughs> agents is. How do I get them to? And, and by the way, same exact <laughs> complaint. The phone. <laughs> same exact complaint from claims leaders and even from underwriting leaders. How do I get them to freaking make a phone call? You okay? you make you turn off their Instagram. No, and and, and, <laughs> no. and and the answer is you don't. We are myself included, deeply uncomfortable with unscheduled phone calls. Now, if it's on the schedule, it's fine. But like calling you when you're not expecting my call, deeply uncomfortable. Why? Because we grew up, and Gen Sears even more, with asynchronous types of, of communications, and the, the, like texting. And anyway. extreme comfort. So, yes. And the, the beauty of, 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 an, of an asynchronous type of communication is that I can take the time to think about my reply. I don't have ah. to think in repeat. So, we are deeply uncomfortable with, with either making, like, like inbound calls, you can train us for that. Outbound, forget it. It is very, very, very hard. It's to almost like every through. millennial has ADHD and then needs to be treated that way. And and this is no, but it's true, right? If if you're if you have ADHD, you're in this conversation, too many thoughts going at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to respond sometimes, right? Especially if there's other stimuli around. So I can I can actually empathize with that. Like I I have an understanding of like that. Like I, but I have learned to. I mean, I I grew up doing the phone, right? So you, you, I think you know we what had works to... in general. Maybe not to get us to an outbound call because that's almost impossible. But but you know what works? Oh, gamification. Gamification works, right? And 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 of course, our boomer leaders think, oh, I will just put more money, right? I I will I will give you a bonus yeah, for doing what I want you to do. Right. No, it only works to a certain level. If I'm comfort, yeah. if I'm making enough money, I won't make another uncomfortable phone call uh, because you're offering me more money. But right. gamified, you make it a competition. Now we're talking. And there are 100 percent Right. But my dad's generation, right? I go back to my dad. He's a great guy, but but he's a very classic boomer. Uh gamification, like, like what? It's a job. It's not supposed to be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, isn't fun. that interesting? It's a job, it's work, it's not fun, right? I, I like it's like, yeah, why can't fun. why do you have to take the fun out of everything, grandpa? You know, <laughs> dude, Basically, gamification is the number one thing that helped our sales team for years. It was the number and it's crazy how it it can't like if you quantify the money 
Um, if you quantify the money off of it, it, it had nothing to like the actual motivation. It actually came from the gamification rather than the monetary compensation, mm-hmm. like big time. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right? Well, that, yeah. That, that makes perfect sense. They love contests, like contests, like even like for me, it's like, I, the only reward I could ever think of is money. Cause it's just like, that's all that matters. Right. It's, 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 it's my path to the, <laughs> to everything else. But for them, it's like, I have to, it's like almost like I'm Chuck E. Cheese. I have to take the money. I have to convert it into something else. And then I have to sell it in some kind of game. <laughs> and so, it'll I, be cheaper. so I go, I go, go to 7-Eleven, buy a bunch of lottery tickets, stick it on a wheel of fortune. And then when they do something, they get to spin it and then they win the thing. And they love that. And, and the funny thing <laughs> is you'll spend less. Right. For a $2 buy- scratcher. Oh, exactly. go, no, you, you have to, you have to. Uh, you have to pay well enough to begin with, right? So, so we have to be able to pay rent, uh, 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 which is getting stupid expensive. We, we, we have to be able to cover our student loans. Same story, right? We, we have to be able to to make a decent living. Otherwise, you're going to lose us anyway. But beyond that, most of us are not particularly money driven. We're we're mission driven and we're fun driven. We're we're work life balance driven. And by the way, yeah. you get into a game, you have to keep mixing it up. It can't be the same game. So honestly, like, like get a platform it's that, true. That, that does all that for you. Dear Boomer uh, the Agency Principles, don't read another sales book. Read Reality is Broken, and you'll understand oh. why communication is so, it so It is powerful. broken. I agree. Reality well, is broken. I'm writing, yeah, that, both writing that down. It's by a, by a gamification researcher. She happens to be a woman, which is really interesting because most gamers are men. Uh, but but uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic, interesting stuff, and it goes back in history at how how games have always been a powerful way to motivate people, and now we just have the technology to do it really really well. Any technology in particular that you've seen that's just dominates? <sighs> the, the, there's a million options. Ba- basically, I, ha- I had one on my podcast just recently. I don't think it's gone live yet. I don't even remember the name. Uh, but but uh, yeah, like I'm not too too worried ab- about which platform, but you you've got to make it interesting. You got to make it fun. Uh, especially for the for the hard things that I, like in them to call a call a cold prospect. <laughs>